What's up, folks? It's the tankiest version of Hitting the High Notes Jazz Talk. It is I, I am here. Um, uh, you can find me on the Twitterverse at Jazz High Notes, at Jazz High Notes. And um, uh, joining us today, well, we got, um, uh, he's the Dragon Cox, or Dragon Cox, he's, uh, you should be Dragon Cox. Uh, the Dragon Squatch. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, you know, he's fresh off it. You know, like the bleeding is still happening. Thursday night football happened. Logan, how are you feeling? Not good. Not it's good. Not good. Yeah, just, you know, I had to, I, like, I had to, like, swallow my pride to, like, embrace corny ass Russell Wilson, and this is the reward I get for that. <laughs> it's, yeah, you, you it's haven't been, been you haven't been a Russell guy ever. And then, like, it was Never. one of those, like, yeah, yeah. like, you got him in, in a trade. It was like, okay, well, maybe, maybe I'm wrong. And, Maybe you're not wrong, Logan. Maybe you're not. And everyone told me for years that I was just, you know, a bad dude because I thought Russell was corny and annoying, but it appears as though the rest of the world is now on board with such feelings. But I, mean, I just want to know that myself and Ryan Rosillo were, were um, <laughs> you know, pioneers of this particular trend. At least Russell is, a, is, a, is good at making commercials, so um, uh, he's got that going for him. Um, and we're bringing on um, somebody who actually uh, kind of helped me start off podcasting. I've been on his podcast. I can't remember if he's ever guested on our podcast before, but uh, from the King's Pulse, it is Brendan Nunes. What's up, man? Not too much. I think I have been on before, but yeah, we've uh, known each other for a little while. And I'll just say, as a Niners fan, I've thought that Russ is, is corny for a very long time. <laughs> And that but, is true. I keep forgetting about. I keep forgetting about the Niners. We're we're probably on that that uh, that train early oh, as well yeah. too. <laughs> um, uh, so yeah. So um, we're 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 what like let's see two weeks away from actual real NBA basketball starting, which um, as Jazz fans probably doesn't matter very much um, this season. Uh, but you know, we we uh, uh, many Jazz fans have come along and. Decided that tanking is the right way to go. Um, uh, we've seen a lot of it, um, and we talked about this uh, on our last episode. And Logan actually brought up um, a really interesting point that I want to explore a little bit longer about like losing culture. Um, uh, how does that develop, and is tanking the first step to that? Um, and so I was like, you know what? Let me reach out to, to Brendan here because he, he's covered the Kings, and like I don't, I don't want to throw shade or anything. Like this is gonna sound bad, but like the Kings are sort of the the epitome of what you want your NBA franchise to avoid. Um, you know, just kind of looking at basketball reference, they haven't been in the... The Kings have missed the playoffs 16 straight years. 16 straight years. Um, and, in, and you know, they, they, did, they didn't always tank. They, they weren't always the worst. The problem is that they, can, they kind of... Um, and we're going to go through it, you know, year by year here. The Kings have tried a few times and have really missed the mark. Um, and so we brought Brendan on because, you know, Logan and I, we, we don't know our King's history very well, hoping that uh, Brendan here, the, the guy who, um, gosh, who, who did you ask a question to at Media Day that took it the wrong way, that thought, thought that you were asking? Oh, it was, it was Kevin Herter. Yes, uh, Kevin yeah, Herter. I tried to ask a fun question to the guys on Media Day because I feel like it's entertaining content. And I tried to ask, who do you trust least on the aux, with the aux cord for music? And uh, Kevin Herter just came from Atlanta, thought I said, who do you trust least on the hawks, and gave me a crazy look. <laughs> oh, damn. I, was, I thought you said hawks, too. Yes. Yeah. I, 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 I thought you said aux initially, like the aux, like the big, the large cow. But, yeah, which uh, is also something some people heard, because De'Aaron Fox's and DeMontis Sponis' nickname is apparently the fox and the aux. Oh. Oh, shit. So... <laughs> 
Yeah, not great words by me. Yeah, so and, well, you know, you're gonna, you, you'll fit in great with this group then. So that's, yeah, exactly. pretty, that's perfect. Yeah, <laughs> and, and the funny thing is, like, ox is kind of like, did, did Apple kill the ox? Like, do, do people even have ox cords anymore? They don't, but I still say it for like my Bluetooth. But yeah. I might be an outlier. Yeah, yeah, like I'm, uh, like it, it's, it's sort of been phased out in the last few years. So, um, yeah, I, anyway. I don't know if it's the aux, but I still, I think it with the USB a lot of times. I don't trust the Bluetooth. I'm, yeah. I'm weird like that, but yeah. man, that's just me. <laughs> uh, Logan has never trusted technology, so. Um, Okay, so um, again, we're we're talking about losing culture. So like, I'm uh, when I like reached out to Brendan here, I was like, "Hey, could you come on? We want to talk about tanking and the Kings." And he's like, "Well, you know, the Kings haven't really tanked in a while." I'm like, "I like, I know exactly. Like, the Kings haven't tanked in a while." Um, but yes, they, they they've still missed. They've had, uh, I mean, a lot of things. Uh, you know, like what happened to that culture? Because like back in like what the early two thousands, late nineties, that was the. I mean, we remember the the famous Chris Webber and. Sacramento Kings, the Lakers series, um, they were there. They like, I mean, uh, the the that that Kings team, kind of was one of the teams that really buried the Jazz in the late nineties, early two thousands. Like, they were on the up and coming. Um, the Jazz had had their number for a few years, but the Jazz got older, and the Kings just kept getting better. Like, it looked like the Kings were about to make the next step, but they couldn't get to the finals. You know, there was that controversial, um, uh, you know, uh referee thing happened um uh but yeah so they had it for a minute and you know all good things come to an end uh you know we shouldn't be surprised that the kings um uh you know after like weber and those days it happens you know father times undefeated um so around 2006 uh, that's when i'm uh, adam and left they brought in uh, eric musselman uh, i'm looking at this roster this is the roster that missed the playoffs um, and they had guys that were on the roster the year before kevin martin brad miller um, Mike Bibby. Um, so these were guys that just, you know, met a world piece. This is a, a team that a year prior did make the playoffs. They lost in the first round. Uh, I, I see that uh, um, Brad Miller uh, at 30 got injured for uh, 20 games, so that maybe that helped. Uh, but do you remember, Romo, what this was like for the, the Kings to miss the playoffs the year that uh, after Adelman left? Um, I think it was just kind of understood that it was, yeah, just the end of that era and time to sort of move on. But uh, even just looking forward up to all the way to the point we're at now, like Adelman is still a uh, caliber of coach that they're chasing. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and because, I mean, this was like the, the Kings, you know, they lost that conference semifinal uh, in 03-04. And then the next two years they lost in the first round. Or, uh, yeah, the, the first round. So, Kind of one of those, like, okay, you can see the writing on the wall. You've been to the playoffs. You know, you were uh, you were in the set. You you, know, you went for the conference finals, but then you lost in the semis, and now you're losing the first round. It felt like they were, you know, downhill from there. Um, and Musselman only lasted one year, uh, which is kind of odd. Like, you get a new coach, and you know they went thirty three and forty nine, and then they went and got Reggie Thea. So, do you remember? Do you remember anything about that that time period? Uh, not amazingly, but. I think that there was still a little bit of uh, holding on to like Kevin Martin and Brad Miller. Like th- this team still had some entertaining pieces. I mean, Ron Artest at the time was was amazing as well. Like this team was still entertaining and, and fighting for a spot. You know, they yes. ended with thirty eight wins. Like I think that they were in an okay spot that season, um, and then the year after is when it totally went 
downhill from there. Right. I'm, I'm looking at the. I'm looking at it right now. At uh, you know, so they fired Reggie Theus after 24 games. Um, they they won 17 games. Also, I guess this might be the first year that they thought, okay, it's time to tank. Time to time. To, I mean, 17 wins usually puts you in the. Um, yeah. Top three or four. So uh, let me let me see if I can pull up that draft here. Two thousand nine NBA draft. Uh, so seventeen wins. That should put you pretty close to um. Uh, uh, but it looks like they got the fourth pick that they, year. They did get four. Yeah, I don't remember what their uh, order was when it came to odds, but yeah, they ended up fourth there. And uh, theme throughout this is going to be that when they do get the high these high picks, which they've gotten a couple times here. Uh, they totally just miss. I mean, like, so they took Tyreek Evans for that year. After that, uh, Steph Curry went seven. DeMar DeRozan went nine. Like, Steph being the obvious big one and Tyreek being a different guard. Tyreek was solid for, I mean, he has, like, sort of a famous, uh, like, 25, five and five stat line. His rookie year and one rookie of the year looked super promising, but then totally just uh, flamed out pretty quick and, didn't work great with their rookie the next year, who was DeMarcus Cousins. So cover your ears, Jazz fans. Um, yeah, well, whatever. I was thinking, whatever happened to Tyreek Evans? Like, that was just a... Just a <laughs> he had a good a couple years. who was here, and then just there was something weird a couple years ago where I saw he was... Kicked out of the league. Kicked out of the league or something, right? So Yeah. Yeah, and yeah. I think he's at past his suspension now. I think mm-hmm. a team could sign him, but, uh, yeah, nobody has. Yeah, sure. I mean, they just, I mean, I mean, because he was Rookie of the Year. Like, I mean, it's, it's like, oh, the, the Kings missed, but they, they drafted the Rookie of the Year, I want to say. Um, the Jazz could use a 27th man on their bench, so. Yeah. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> uh, let me see. Let me see if I got that right. Tyreek Evans, Rookie of the Year. He did get Rookie of the Year, yeah. yeah. So, he, I mean, so, like, it's like, oh, they admit, like, in hindsight, you could say this, but, like, that year, like, he was the best rookie. Uh, and then that's a draft with James Harden went three. Uh, you were talking about Steph Curry at seven, you know, DeRozan at nine. So, I mean, you missed, but, like, they also, then with Drew Holiday at 17, um, it could have been worse. I mean, they, I mean, Ricky Rubio went five. Yeah. Uh, Sorry, so, so, so you're saying they went Evans and then the next year was, was DeMarcus Cousins the year after that? Yeah, and Boogie's a fine pick, you know? Yeah, the, well, that, that's that, that's what I'm saying. I know that, like, the, the whole goal was to go a certain direction with this particular yeah. this pod, but that's what I'm starting to look at, too, is here's a whole – we're all talking about losing culture. But how about just the fact that how often it can get wrong? Because, again, you, you draft the rookie of the year, do you get, what, uh, for a long time until his injury, Boogie was looked at like a revolutionary big man. Right. Right? Yeah, like a – so. Oh, good, good Lord, now I'm only even more depressed. <laughs> I guess like because we are going so the Kings that year had the worst record. Seven, like I was like seventeen wins has got to be pretty bad. So seventeen wins was the worst record that year. They unfortunately lost the lottery. You could we would say because uh, Clippers, Grizzlies, and the Thunder um, uh, each uh, um, leapfrogged the Kings. Uh, and I mean the the prize that year was Blake Griffin. Uh, Blake Griffin was pretty good. I mean I think everybody knew that Blake Griffin was going to go first. That uh, I, I'm not. I'm not. I don't think I'm. Uh, rewriting history here, but Blake Griffin was a, a highly touted um, player. I think he came up with an injury, even, and people were still like, "That's fine, right?" Like he sat for a year. Yeah, he said he set the table for the Ben Simmons sophomore yes. rookie of the year yes, precedent, yes. right? Yep, exactly. So um, uh, there's that. So and, and the Kings uh, the next year because this is the you know it's really hard to sell your fans if you're tanking. Oh well, do you remember if 08, 09, Was that you know they won seventeen games? Were they actively tanking or were they just? Were they just bad? Was that was just a, a, a bad team? Because uh, looking at the roster, the roster is uh, 
I mean, Cal, I mean, Quincy yeah. Do- Dalby, Drew Gooden. I, uh, I think it's I think it's tanking, but it didn't like begin in the drastic like we're choosing to just totally throw away something like decent. But it was just like it just more became a thing because the guys that were good pre- uh, previously either got new contracts or were already a little bit older. So as those guys faded out, the Kings didn't go out and then get like a, you know, a couple above average or average starters to make sure they were better or anything. But I think they kind of naturally fell into it. Yeah, like Kevin Martin was your highest scorer at 25 points there. Beno, uh, Beno Udrich, remember that name there? Uh, yeah, fuck Beno, fuck Beno seriously. <laughs> that guy, you know that how many guy, times that guy would just work the jazz like in a third or fourth quarter? Like, I have nightmares about him. <laughs> like, he, he was the guy that started the most games for the Kings. Uh, I don't know if Kevin Martin got traded this year. Um, uh, he only played 46 or 51 games, so either injury or trade. Like, at some point, the Kings uh, maybe decided that they were time to. Uh, I'm trying to look at basketball reference to see if there was any trades or anything. But, um, uh, yeah, at some point that season, they probably said, okay, we're, we're going to tank, right? Uh, so the yeah, next... I, I think it was a Kevin Martin injury. Okay. Because the next year, um, uh, the next year uh, was Kevin Martin still there? Um, yes, for 20 games. Yeah, so, yeah, so it was an injury. Uh, so, yeah, the next year, um, uh, the, the Tyreek Evans, Kevin Martin backcourt, uh, the team got a little better. They won 25 games. Um which is something you expect, right? Like, like, all right, cool, you got a rookie, they're pretty good, but a, a rookie doesn't win you that many games right off the bat. Yeah. Um, but I, So, I mean, the, the Kings ended up getting um, you, DeMarcus Cousins, as you said, right, the, ne- the next draft? They Yeah, they did end up getting Boogie 5, which I think is a good pick. Right. Um, and, th- and then again, they just take a, a little bit of time to really have, like, impact on the court. Um, uh, I mean, listen to this, Logan. That draft was John Wall one, Evan Turner, who people thought were going to be, who never really went anywhere at number two. Um, Derek Favors to the Nets at three. Um, uh, you know, a favorite of the uh, the high notes crowd here. Jazz got Gordon Hayward that year. Paul George at ten. Um, so okay, so now so now the the Kings in 2010, 2011, they've got they've got Boogie, they've got Tyreek Evans, and and they would have had Kevin Martin if they didn't trade him away mm-hmm. for Carl Landry and cap space. So w- why, why did they do that? I think that they were just trying to be a little bit more future focused. And a lot of it had to do with the fit with Tyreek and okay. uh, Martin. Right. So, uh, I mean, the, the, actually they took a step backwards the year they got um, uh, cousins and, and Tyreek Evans. And this is what like, I'm a, you're scared of if you're a jazz fan, right? Logan, like, Okay, cool. Like, not only did they get you know a top four pick and got somebody who was a rookie of the year. Like, okay, you think if you get someone who you draft who wins the rookie of the year, you're probably thinking to yourself you got a pretty good player. And then Cousins, uh, I I wonder if I can see his stats here in his first year. Uh, Cousins, you know, played eighty one games, started sixty two. Uh, he was fourteen points, uh, eight rebounds. They they probably you you probably saw some good stuff happening there. Um, but, like, so bring this back to the Jazz, Logan. So, you know, obviously the Jazz are going to try as hard as they can. Oh, I hope they will, at least. Try as hard as they can to get a top pick. And we talked about 2024. Like, that, that's the, the – so in 2024, the Jazz owe the Thunder a top 10 pick. So the, the Jazz – or, you know, a protected top 10 pick, excuse me. 
So if the Jazz can tank again, they'll have another top 10 pick in 2024. And it might even be tanking. They just might do what the Kings did. They get somebody, but, you know, they're still young. They're still just joining the team. You know, maybe the Jazz get in pick number five in the in the next draft. And you hope they draft somebody good because it's supposed to be the double draft. What scares why you? Would you? Why would you say five? <laughs> well, this is 2024 I'm, I'm, I'm talking about. No, yeah, I was like a five? Yeah, I'm, ta- I'm talking about 2024. <laughs> like 2023, you hope the Jazz get, you know, obviously number one. Uh, and but like even if you got um uh, Victor Wembanyama right like the the prize, there's there's a good chance that he's not ready to lead your team to to the promised land in the first year. Like you're still probably gonna be bad. I mean the Jazz looked awful in that first preseason game, right? Um, as as some of the players it's just they, they don't look like I mean Colin Sexton looks okay. Um, you know Laurie looks Laurie Markinen has always been. A pretty good player, but he's always, he's always also looked like a, a, a third banana, Chicago, uh, Cleveland, like a guy that like okay he has all the physical tools, and and I don't know maybe Laurie puts it together, but let's just say that you know like the Jazz in two years, you know let's put Victor on the team because we're talking like best case scenario here Victor, you know Sexton and and, and Laurie Markkinen those guys are pretty good but they're still only twenty six twenty seven win team, and they get a top five pick in twenty twenty four. Um, are you, what 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 scares you about losing culture? Because it looks like the Kings after uh, this draft, they after getting Demarcus Cousins and uh, so after they got Tyreek Evans, they got twenty five wins. Looks like they were on the way up. They had improved by eight wins. They drafted Boogie. They went down to twenty four wins, then twenty two wins, then twenty eight wins, then twenty eight wins. Um, what scares you like about, that the Jazz will go down that path? Well, first of all, I don't trust anyone who watched a Jazz preseason game. That's the first sign of <laughs> poor, poor, poor life choices. Um, but uh, I think what you laid out is exactly what I'm afraid of. I mean, it, and in this case, it doesn't even appear as though the, the Kings went full. You know, the, the the Jazz, the Jazz obviously this offseason went full full tank mode, right? Like unload every everyone and everything. Um, and it sounds like the Kings kind of gradually slid into that, right? If, Brendan, if I'm understanding correctly, it was just kind of a, a gradual, like this is, you know, we, we had some good teams where we're decently competitive, and then as it fell off, they may have, you know, sat some guys a little longer. But um, but there there was actually some 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 decent veterans there in, in Kevin Martin and the rest of them to try to maybe help establish that. But then, like you said, they went completely young, and who's there to teach those guys? how this all works. And I think when you don't have anyone on the team and like we, we you know, we, we lined out all of these, you know, as we were trying to, to brainstorm tanking activities that were successful, there was always some, you know, either a, a really great player already in place or some dudes around that could at least help support that. And that's, that is what kind of makes me nervous because it sounds like it got turned over to Tyreek and to Marcus. And that, that, that can be, that can be challenging. And it, it may not even be their fault. It's just, how do they know what to do? You know? Yep. So I don't know. I, I I'm not. I've never been in obviously an NBA locker room, so I don't know all the the ins and outs of and workings of it. But I think it's it's something that uh, makes me nervous when there's no one around to maybe. Uh, once you, I guess, I guess once you get the talent, who's there to show them how to win? I guess is my concern. So like during the so Brendan during the like the Demarcus years, um, from 2011 to 2014, they didn't win more than 30 games. Um, and I'm just quickly looking at it. so, 
their, their like top win shares was uh, Bino Udrich and then Isaiah, Isaiah Thomas, you know, Mr. Irrelevant, Isaiah Thomas, right, for, for the Kings. I want to say Tyreek Evans was out, out of the Kings by, I don't know what year it was, but um, he wasn't there as long as you would think um, yeah. for, for a former Rookie of the Year. Uh, but Cousins was still there, and then, again, Isaiah Thomas, like, I mean, you found some, I mean, the Kings found somebody at pick 60 that um, uh, was, was obviously very good. He started, I mean, Isaiah Thomas um, uh, played very well for a lot of teams. Um, so, like, what happened, like, wh- like, why, like, what happened here, like, part of it is, like, so during this time, it's... you know, Paul Westfall was coach, Keith Smart was, was coach, Mike Malone was coach, Ty Corbin was coach, George Carl was the coach. Um, they went through a lot of, I mean, <laughs> I mean, you don't see this very often, but in 2014, 2015, the, the Kings had three head coaches. They fired Mike Malone. Um, they brought, they, they, they gave Ty Corbin the interim tag for, uh, a third of the season and then hired George Carl. Sorry for, and sorry for that, Brendan, you had to endure Ty Corbin for a minute. <laughs> yeah. Our condolences. But like, yeah, and, and- I mean, obviously, like, keeping Malone was just the right decision at that point because they started to look decent. Isaiah Thomas came into his zone, and in an effort to kind of start to win sooner, they uh, got Rudy Gay on the team as well. Yep. Like, But the issues that come, like, right after Boogie, because Tyreek was just poor luck, really, right, with his injuries. Mm-hmm. I think Boogie's a fine pick. Um, but then after that, when you're... They traded down from eight. I forget what else they got, but they moved down to ten, uh, where they picked Jimmer. Mm-hmm. In the same year, they picked uh, It at sixty, but they put picked Jimmer at ten. Uh, Clay Thompson goes eleven, and Kawhi Leonard goes fifteen. Um, if you get either one of those guys, your trajectory looks way different right away. Um, and then in the year after, twenty twelve thirteen, they have the fifth pick, or I'm sorry, at, yeah, in the twenty twelve draft, um, they have the fifth pick. And they sort of infamously had promised Damian Lillard previously, who went six, but then Thomas Robinson fell, and they didn't expect him to be there, so they took him at five. Um, and then 13-14, they're, the rookie at that point uh, for that season was Ben McLemore, who they took at seven. They also had promised C.J. McCollum at 10, and this was the second year in a row uh, that they promised a player but then instead took the guy that they didn't expect to be available sort of like the falling knife i guess but it's really those years after to me where when they were at the very top of the draft the fourth fifth pick with like tyreek and boogie i think that those were were good picks you know um it's the years after you just needed to hit one more time if you add rudy gay isaiah thomas um, and some of the other like night grounding pieces they had added, if you just got any of that right, if you would have kept Malone, if you would have nailed one more of these picks, um, I, if you would have just actually valued Isaiah Thomas and thought that he was more than a backup point guard, like there's just they needed just one more thing. They somehow made like every wrong decision. Yeah, and that's I mean, it yeah, is... what, 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 are, what are the odds that they, they passed up on the Portland backcourt? <laughs> Yeah, what are the odds of that? Like they wanted, I think they literally they wanted the Portland backcourt and then decided to pass on them. That's uh, that's that's even crazier. Yeah, like we we hadn't heard that. I I hadn't heard that. Could have just taken the like top person in mock draft odds each year, and you would have built a better team. Yeah. 
So, so yeah, part of that, yeah, those are the bummers. I mean, not not that it uh, it feels like. I mean, obviously, Dame would have been loyal to Sacramento because that's we've seen that from Dame, and also uh, just random thought. I know all all of us missed on Kawhi, but Kawhi Leonard feels like he would have been like the perfect king. Like that feels just like that's his perfect like. <laughs> like the perfect yeah. market for Kawhi is to be a king. I don't know. Yeah. Something in my mind makes that feel. Yeah, so it's, it's, uh, it's sort of California. More, more, I don't more, know. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm, I'm just saying. It's, I don't know. Yeah. It is what it is. But what, what was the reason for getting rid of Mike Malone? I'm not obviously. I'm not. Uh, he's been f- phenomenal with the Nuggets, and I've many yeah. times on Jazz Twitter to my own demise made it. <laughs> Mike Malone, Malone better. Not yeah. Carl Malone, yeah, but yeah, <laughs> Mike Malone. Actually, don't talk about Carl Malone. That's that's yeah. a Twitter death if you want to get. <laughs> Carl Malone. Uh, but, uh, I saw I saw the Vegas Golden Knights tweet out who was the better uh, which jazz man would you start with? And it was like Carl Malone or John Stockton. And someone's like, oh no, you didn't just do that. Uh, but uh, no, anyway, sorry. I asked a question. I started rambling on. But what what, what was the reason they canned Malone? It was just a slow start. He started 11 and uh, 13, I think it was, but they went on a little bit of a losing streak and. Uh, ownership kind of overreacted because this was the year that it was supposed to be turned around, and then they uh, let him go. But they got so then it went Ty Corbin, and then it went George Carl in the same year. George, <laughs> yeah, that, it, that, George that, Carl that was uh, George Carl was just George Carl was not good. He and that was George. My Carl understanding is right? he didn't really give a damn anymore, uh, and just yeah. Obviously, a guy who you would imagine uh, would butt heads with Boogie, and yeah, doesn't sound like the best locker room. I mean, I mean, this is so. This is a team that they they were really hoping that would uh, stick, right? So you had uh, Demarcus twenty four and uh, and twelve at this point in his career. Um, Rudy Gay, uh, who came over as either in a trade or free agency, I don't remember. Um, but you know, Rudy Gay, uh, you know, Jazz. Jazz legend Rudy Gay, twenty-one <laughs> point game uh, per game. Darren Collison at the point guard, sixteen points. Ben McLemore. So, yeah. So I mean, this is the team that they really thought, like, all right, cool, we're we're going to make. And like, yeah, they they fired Mike Malone after a year and a quarter, um, and that's after coming off Keith Smart. Uh, you know, after firing Paul Westphal. Like, um, so part of me, you know, like you talked about bad draft luck, um, and you know, and that that is crazy because like. You would think just even throwing a dart at a board, you would hit on one of the guys, and and, and that, that maybe maybe it was just a bad scouting department, or is that bad owner? Like, uh, I don't know who was owning the the Kings at this point, but like, did they interject? Um, uh, did they like overrule? Because famously here, uh, yeah, uh, uh, in the last couple of years, the Jazz had a, tra- a chance to draft Desmond Bain, and uh, it sounded like um, Dennis Lindsay. Uh, overruled that, right? And and um, uh, you know, like um, uh, Justin Zanuck, like Justin Zanuck was the quote unquote GM at the time, but um, uh, Dennis Lindsay overruled that and went and got uh, Doke. And we've heard stories about Larry Miller coming in, and I can't remember. I mean, it was Sean Merritt, somebody that the Jazz wanted to draft, and Larry mm-hmm. Miller drafted somebody else instead. Mm-hmm. Um, so and, and obviously, when you when you go through like what would I say, eight coaches in ten years, that sounds yeah. like there's some sort of dysfunction. Um, in your ownership, and um, uh, so the bad draft luck could be because uh, you know the scouting department isn't as strong as it could be, or like I mean, tell me about the the ownership at that point. I think the ownership switched somewhere around. I really hope I'm getting this right, but somewhere around 2011. Um, hmm, I, I think that's about right. Uh, maybe a tiny bit afterwards, 
And I know the Vivek interfering stuff came about a bit later, like specifically like Nick Stauskas. Um, there's a really funny video of when they draft Nick and everybody is in a room and Vivek says, okay, on three, one, two, three, everybody say Nick rocks. And the whole room kind of awkwardly does it. Uh, yeah, Nick rocks. Yay. Yeah, it was really uncomfortable. Um, but he was just in love with that pick. And, and then after they, that was also the year they switched up uh, their GM and Pete D'Alessandro uh, just was was not great. He got canned after two years, and then they go to Vlade Divac, who Vlade, I think, was a little bit of a... Um, they were too caught up in, I think, the narrative around him being an ex-great in Sacramento, and he just honestly hadn't put in enough time to, I think, naturally work his way into what would be a GM job. Yeah, and that's, I mean, a lot of people, a lot of uh, organizations fall into like, all right, bring the hometown people back. Or like, you know, like it, it happens. I mean, people went crazy because Jeff Hornacek went back as a, as a jazz coach. Yeah. Um, Doug Christie and Bobby Jackson are still coaches. Yeah, so I mean, yeah. Logan, like, um, so part of the losing culture, like, I mean, we, we talked about. Bobby, Bobby Jackson can always get a shot. <laughs> Bobby Jackson. <laughs> Um, he's their he's their G League head coach. Yeah. Bobby Jackson probably still gonna shy. He would probably still get two or three minutes in the night. Did, did Bobby Jackson the, the guys the guys um at the end of practice every time are doing lineup for free throws and if you miss the whole team has to run and Bobby always runs with with them. Oh well there's it stays in shape. Uh yeah. no, I, I I really think that of that whole little group that they had with the with the Weber, D Rock, Christy Kings, I mean Bobby Jackson was easily my favorite. Step back <laughs> Bobby Jackson, right? It was just Fantastic! Yeah, yeah six man, six man of the year, Bobby Jackson. Um, did he get one of those? I, I, gosh, like I felt, I felt like, I, like he, I think he did. Yeah, feels like he should have. He had to have gotten at least one, right? Yeah, because like he, he came off the bench and it was just kill teams. So, um, uh, but Logan, so um, so like the the losing culture. Um, part of it, maybe it was draft luck, which obviously the Jazz have a history of having bad draft luck, luck or just bad draft uh, scouting. Um, but I mean, it feels like to me, just like looking at this and kind of hearing like, you know, the, the changing of the ownership, the changing of the GMs, changing of the coach, like the, so many coaching changes. Like, I, I know I made fun of like last year, Jazz fans going, oh my God, like we automatically assume that Quinn Snyder is a great coach because he's been hired for 10 years. I mean, but th- there's, this is the other end of the, the, the stick here. Like, okay. I mean. He held the job longer. Uh, he held the job as long as the Kings had like eight other coaches, right? So, um, you know, there's obviously a balance. Uh, and they had the right guy like two different times. I, I think Mike Malone and I, I think Dave Yeager was a good coach. Yeah, Dave, Dave Yeager, um, uh, he's coaching somewhere else now, it feels like. Um, yeah, he's a, Philly, he's a Philly assistant. Yeah, so, um, I mean, I mean, it's just because, I mean, Quinn Snyder, when he came to Utah, obviously he didn't win his first few two or three years. Um, and it looks like, you know, the, the Kings have, you know, Jaeger, yeah, three years losing records out. Mike Malone, two year, one and a quarter year out. Paul Westfall out, you know, like they, and Reggie Theus seems like they're, their best coach at 38 and 44. Um, but Logan, like. Reggie Theus, Reggie Theus is great at second greatest coaching gig, the first one being the head coach of hang time. <laughs> yes, that, um, exactly. Yep. But, uh. No, I, I I don't I I I guess you said I guess a couple of those guys did get a decent run though because 
like the old jazz fan in me just would think, oh, the jazz will just ride it out, right? They will never make that many changes. But I have to keep reminding myself that it is a new regime. Um, it, you know, I can't, I can't lean on the the consistency of the Millers. And also, like, sometimes you think you've got something great and you've got to, again, maybe it's my recent Broncos fandom watching Nathaniel Hackett is supposed to be the same thing, you know, a, a young, great prospect as a coach. And sometimes they just flame out. So I don't know. I don't the the yeah, the more we're talking, the more I'm starting to see some really uncomfortable similarities. You've got an ownership change. You've got some GM upheaval, which we've had. Um, and 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 uh, to go back to what you said about the draft, um, you say the Jazz haven't drafted well, and you know how I've, I've been saying it since we knew since high school. There's no bigger crapshoot than the NBA draft because there's so few picks and there's so many so many busts. Are the Jazz bad at drafting? Like outside of outside of the outside of Oklahoma City and getting like ungodly lucky by drafting three MVPs, has anyone ever gotten it right? Like you know, just you know, Brennan just ran through a whole bunch of them. The, the, I mean, the Kings experienced the same thing we as Jazz fans experienced. So I don't know. Are the Jazz bad? They were able to get two cornerstone pieces in the twenties, so the late teens. Yeah. I so mean, does that offset the other late misses? I mean, right, I, right. I, I don't know, but I think the bigger point is even if you're quote unquote good at it, it's just, it's still really hard. And it's just, I, 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 I thought I'd gotten over this whole, you know, just buy fully into the tank, but we're sitting here talking about this. I mean, I, I know we've said it three or four times now, but for the love of God, the, the Kings drafted the rookie of the year, the point guard, and they drafted DeMarcus Cousins, and, and they still had to yeah. get it right one more time. And it's just right. really hard. Yeah. And that, and that's it's the really thing hard. is that I'm uh, like the jazz, you know, obviously they got Malone and Stockton, right? Like late, uh, you know, those were both uh, late lottery picks. Uh, I want to say Malone was 13, Stockton was, it's been so long now that I've, I've seen it, but Stockton was 17 or 18, whatever it was. They hit there, right? Um, but it felt like they didn't hit again after that for a while. And it is harder. Once your draft picks are in the 20s consistently, it's a lot harder to hit, obviously. Um, the Jazz, same thing, though. Jazz went and got... You know Donovan Mitchell and and Rudy at twenty seven famously, um, but it, then after that it just felt like they did you know you know I can forgive them for missing Desmond Bain like it happens, you know like you you know he's right there, and you miss and I get it I mean it's it's number twenty what what, what was Desmond Bain twenty seven it's supposed to be twenty seven thirty thirty like. Like oh I I I'm oh, sorry Doke what was Doke's pick twenty seven I, th- I yeah Doke was twenty seven like they had a chance to draft Desmond Bain at twenty seven I, I guess I guess he can take number twenty seven now it's available yes he could he could um but yeah like I mean this uh, I mean I I do forget that because like again at twenty seven you're probably not supposed to get a Desmond Bain type but the fact that they couldn't get anybody else like I just you do have to like hit somewhat you you can't just completely miss on your draft picks and. Uh, during the Dennis Lindsay era, I mean, after the, after you know, getting Rudy and Donovan, which is the hardest part, the next the next part is to you know grab that third or fourth guy that you can develop. Because if the Jazz had de- had grabbed Desmond Bain, um, uh, in the draft, and you told me this year they want to retool around Donovan and Desmond Bain, that that I can I can see happening. Um, but after trading Rudy Gobert, I'm like, there's there's I mean, what could the Jazz do to retool around Donovan? It would have been really hard. Because they just didn't have the assets, but if you have a Desmond Bain or, or somebody of that ilk on your roster with Donovan, then it's a little bit easier. You're like, all right, cool. Like maybe you don't even trade Rudy Gobert. Maybe you just say you ride it out with those three. But uh, we've hit that point a lot too. Um, so like you know, just talking to Brendan here, talking about how because like now the Kings, you know, finally, you know, uh, 
are looking like they're going to try to make a real run. I, I think, you know, we haven't done our pre- we probably won't do a preview, but um, I think the Kings are set up to be one of the playoff teams this year. Uh, not even a play-in. I think, I think they're going to be top six team in the West. Uh, you know, making that DeMontis, uh, Sabo- S- DeMontis Sabonis trade um, really set them up for what they what they want to do. Like, is it is it more than a first-round or second-round exit? I don't know. I don't think so, but for the Kings who haven't been in the playoffs for 16 years, I think being the sixth seed is probably, you know, uh, probably something that they'd be really happy about that they can really build on. Uh, especially since they do have some, some young guys on their roster, De'Aaron Fox and, and, and uh, Davon Mitchell and the such, right? I think they'd be super happy with the sixth seed. I actually uh, think you're one of the more optimistic people I've heard saying up to six. Like, I have small concerns that they could still finish 11, to be honest. Like, Ooh. the... I mean, I, I think that there is a higher ceiling, but the West is just really competitive. They have a roster that you look at, and if you look at it just kind of solo, it's like really easy to think like, oh, this should totally be a postseason roster. It's just when you start going through the rest of the West um, and outside of Houston, OKC, and, and Utah, like in San Antonio, then after that, every single team is trying to win. And right. it's like the Kings are competing with the Lakers and the Blazers, which... You know, I, I think those are kind of toss-ups, um, but yeah, like, I think they'd like, be are, are more the than that. Are the Suns going to take a step back this year? Right? Um, are the Mavericks going to get better, or are they just going to stay stagnant? Like, it feels like the Mavericks didn't get that much better in the off season. Um, mm-hmm. The Nuggets are trying to come back. I mean, you know, they, they got pieces back, but if those guys don't stay healthy again, or if they don't make a move to, you know, get to the next level, they're they're still in that same you know four, five, six area. Uh, the Timberwolves probably got better, right? But I mean, they could all, that could also blow up in their face too. So, um, but yeah. So I mean, I, I get your point. Like I mean, but you know, I, I guess I guess maybe it's because like I'm uh, even if I like truly believe in my heart, like the Kings were seven or eight, it's more of a it's more of a a a gut a gutsier call to call them six. You know, <laughs> so that way I can come back and be like, hey, remember when I said they were six? Because you know, you can, you can brag about that. Yeah. You can brag about being right, but nobody cares if you're wrong. Um, and, and I think that to get to the point where it took so long to kind of uh, get to here, it, there was just another opportunity where, you know, when they rebuilt with Boogie and Tyreek that we kind of went through and messed up all those decisions. And by the way, if Tyreek was just bad right away and didn't have like two years that he was good, mm-hmm. they would have had another really high pick after Boogie. Um, but uh, when they do eventually trade Boogie, which they were going to go to the playoffs the same year that they ended up trading Boogie and kind of phoning it in, um, they trade him and the pick ends up being uh, Buddy Heald, which is not a great turnaround, but they took Willie Cauley sign at six the year prior to that, right after uh, the final year of Boogie. Miles Turner was 11, Devin Booker was 13. Um, they had pick 10, I think it was in 2016. And then they traded down to 13 to take Georges Papayanis, <laughs> somebody that was like not on people's yeah, board at all. Right. Jamal, Jamal Murray went he was on mine. seven. Uh, yeah. Uh, the Kings might've traded down from six. Even they had, they had a pretty high pick or oh, I'm sorry. They traded down from eight. Um, ironically, Sabonis was at 11, but then like the year after that, when they actually had a chance to reset, when they realized Papianis was just horrible right away. Um, the year after that, they did have De'Aaron Fox that they took at five, which actually the Kings did have the third pick that Tatum went to, but it was a swap with Philly. 
um, that they did previously. They traded away Nick Stauskas to get cap space, and they got back. Uh, they traded away two first-round picks to do it, and all they signed with, with that cap space was Rondo and I forget who else. Um, but they should have had the third pick that year. Instead, it was five, and Fox is fine. But then they also had pick 10, um, which they then traded for 15 and 20. And they took Justin Jackson at 15, which was a guy that Vivek was in love with. Um, kind of a theme that he's in love with. The guys that have played for a long time but were studs in college. Um, Harry Giles was taken at 20. And if you would have shaken De'Aaron Fox at five, and then like Donovan Mitchell at 13, Bam Adebayo at 14, or if you still did that trade down and you took John Collins at 19, mm. like hitting in any of those <laughs> is a really big difference. Um, and then obviously the year after that, when you already have like a somewhat promising young core, right, with Willie Cauley-Stein, Buddy Heald, De'Aaron Fox, Justin Jackson, Harry Giles still looks like something. Um, you are bad, really bad. Um 39, or I'm sorry, 27 wins, and then they actually get lucky in the lottery and jump up to pick two. And uh, do I have to say it? Like, they end up going badly um, when another case like that was. I don't know if anybody else in the world would have gone Marvin Bagley. Luca, Lucas in there. That was hard. I mean, but. Now, like, let's talk about the Kings' recent history, right? And I don't know if something has changed since then. Like, they're gonna have a new coach this year. Like, Luke Walton's gone, and probably probably the a uh, firing that most people are okay. Like, Mike Malone and, and Jaeger might have been a little questionable. I don't think anybody's really questioning that Luke Walton should have got fired. Um, no, but it was uh, very Kingsy to keep him around in the offseason when everybody expected him to be let go, right. yep. only to fire him after 13 games. <laughs> uh, so Mike, Mike Brown coming the King, in. Kingsy. Um, Kingsy. <laughs> the Kings. Uh, but, I mean, like, recent draft history, uh, Keegan Murray looks like a stud. Um, so, I mean, somebody that was, like, one of these rare times where it, at the draft we're like, oh, man, the, like, they draft, like, they're gonna, Kings are going to Kings again. But then he shows out in... Uh, in summer league, and Keegan Murray was on my radar, but just because I'm a Stabler Hill host of uh, Stabler and Friends, he and I were talking one night, and, and, and Keegan Murray was on his watch list. Um, and so Keegan Murray looks like a, a pretty good rookie. Uh, year before that was what Davian, Davian Mitchell. Um, uh, yeah, which which if they would have uh, actually just accepted a tank that year, uh, Franz Wagner was sitting there. Yeah. And- at seven, and if they have Franz Wagner and Keegan Murray right now with Fox and um, Domas, it's a yeah. pretty different story in my mind. So I mean, it looks. I mean, Davion's not awful. Um, uh, not, no, they they actually lost a coin flip uh, when it came to those draft odds yeah. that was tied with uh, Chicago, and Chicago traded that pick in the Vucevic trade to Orlando. Yeah. So I mean, just I mean, it just it is what it is, right? But um, so I mean, so like the recent history, like cool, like number one, if, if you can draft well, that's that's the first. So I'm, I'm trying to be, trying to get trying to get Logan to step off the bridge here, um, step away from the ledge, uh, you know, if you can draft, or if you well. just, or if you just get a good coach, you know, or you right. get like one right signing, like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, you don't like, do everything else wrong. Too. Places like Sacramento and Utah, signings, signings feels like step four or five to me. Like, like, all right, cool. You you have to draft well. You have to like get the infrastructure first. And so I'm, I'm looking at this thing, I just, it feels like the ownership and the coaching infrastructure just was never there for the Kings in the last 15 years. And I don't know if the Jazz have it. Like, they, you know, they changed owners a few years ago, 
Ryan Smith seems like he, you know, some things that Ryan Smith has done well that that you know they they, you know, Ryan Smith took over. Dennis Lindsay was gone a year after that. Um, you know, they promoted Justin Zanuck. They brought in Danny Ainge, which at the time a lot of people hated that move. They hated bringing Dan- Danny Ainge in. Um, not this podcast. Yeah, <laughs> not not this podcast, pal. <laughs> but uh, I mean, a year later, Danny Ainge has kind of shown like the reason he was brought in was to make a, a systemic change uh, of what was going on. Um, like it's funny that you said if the Kings had accepted a tank, it feels like the Kings had only tried the tank one year. Every other year was just kind of like they kept trying bad. Like they kept thinking that it was going to be their year, and they just never pulled the plug fast enough. The Jazz and have already shown us that they were ready. Like they had seen what they had saw with Rudy Gobert and Donovan Mitchell, and you know maybe like us on the here of the podcast believed that the ceiling with Donovan and Rudy was not going to be a championship. Maybe, and I don't know if we're right or wrong, but it felt like to me that, that that's what um, happened. And so they pulled the plug on that very early, uh, a lot earlier than, you know, I think people, at least in this market, thought. Is, am, I, am, am I, you know, Logan, stop me, correct me if I'm telling lies. No, um, you're, I'll stop you when you're lying. <laughs> um, but they, uh, no, they, they didn't. They, and and the, the Jazz have never fully participated in anything like this. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess it, I, I, it's kind of unprecedented, even even with the the modern, the, by modern I mean the last three or four years. And obviously, I'm thinking of Oklahoma City and the Rockets when they go full full tank mode, which which is the similar model we have. And some of that was kind of out of their hands, right? Paul George leaves, and then they just kind of got to do what they got to do, and then Harden forces his way out there. I, I, for all for all the even though there are some folks on Twitter who, who adamantly believe this, Donovan never did publicly force his way out. So it is kind of a different shift, you know, mm-hmm. um, to 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 actually to, to actually hit the debt to, to to detonate it this early. It feels like they maybe could have got one more one more run at it. So um, I don't know. I guess I guess we'll see. Um, I don't know. Yeah. So so long as Ryan Smith doesn't turn out to be the missing third Maloof brother, you know, maybe we'll be okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, and yeah, so like that, that's like where my optimism comes from is that we've seen a little bit of evidence that okay, cool. Like when you pull the plug this early, it kind of shows your fan, or it shows me as a fan, like okay, cool. They're not, they're, they're they obviously could they could have played it safe. They could have waited till Donovan asked out. They could have um, uh, waited um, until Rudy lost. You know, like you know, Rudy could have stayed a Jazz man, and the Jazz could have probably made the second round the next three or four years. But um, uh, you know, this new jazz roster like, nope. We're to go for it. You got to pull the ripcord. Like the Kings, like even in '08, right when they won 17 games, it sounds like from Brendan, like they didn't go for the tank. They just fell backward into we're the worst team in the league, right? And so, I mean, they got a number four pick out of it. But subsequently, after that, all their draft picks were their own. They didn't have extra draft. Like the Jazz are going to have extra draft picks in. 2025, 2026, 27, 20, like they're going to have chances to get better with other draft picks that are not theirs. Um, so that, that gives me a little bit of hope. Uh, Will I, I've watched just in like the last like four years that I've covered the Kings really close. Like I've watched multiple other organizations rebuild mm-hmm. when they like fully commit to it. And uh, like 
Memphis is one that stands out, right? You just get Jaw at two, Jared Jackson at four, which by the Kings, by the way, the Kings like Marvin Bagley at two thing. Everybody talks about Luca. There's like four other people that it could have been. It could have been Shai Gilgis Alexander. <laughs> yep. It could have been Mikhail Triple Bridges. J. It could have been Jared Jackson yep. Jr. Could have been Trey Young. Like there's multiple other people it could have been. And they just picked the wrong one. Um, <laughs> and then like, um, I forget where. I was going with that. Um, uh, we're talking about draft picks. Well, no, it, 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 it certainly has been interesting as a Jazz fan to watch the uh, to watch the the um, Grizzlies trade off Conley in a rebuild, and they re- rebuilt while we were still together. So that was a hell of a experience. <laughs> yeah. Cleveland was... isn't Cleveland is another one. They got Garland yep. at yep. what four, Mobley at two. Yep. Um, and then you just make a good trade with Jared Allen. Um, we've seen another good trade for Donovan Mitchell. Yeah, I, I yeah, I feel good about um honestly the core of OKC. I'm a I'm a decently big fan of um Minnesota is a team that right. was in always like a really similar parallel I thought to Sacramento just like stuck in the middle. Right, but then exactly. they actually tanked one year. They they got their playoff thing with Jimmy Butler. That ended up not being something that was going to continue on and they just actually tank for a year yep. they got the number one pick and that's why they're able to feel comfort comfortable to go and make a trade for a rudy Gobert. So, like talk to logan about the okc experience because like I mean, logan's not super impressed with the thunder tank because like that's where like jazz are sort of going like get a bunch of assets and then draft a bunch of guys but the thunder you know like they have sga and they're they're going into a third year of tanking it looks like because SGA is already on the injury report. Like, like I, I am bewildered by, about how like SGA, like how you have a superstar like SGA. Yeah, you, I think it's easy to sit SGA for a year. Like, all right, cool. Then you ask them to do it two years in a row. Like, okay, that's a still a little kind of a stretch, but they're going to go into their third year, and it looks like just reading the tea leaves that SGA is going to have another third year where you know, January they're going to shut him down again. Um, but tell like Logan about like what you like about that Thunder because it, the the Jazz rebuild is kind of going to mirror what the Thunder rebuild is going to be. Get a lot of assets. Hope you get some really good draft picks, but still have other assets like you know keep your cap space to bring in Derek Favor type contracts and get more draft picks out of it. Um, uh, tell Logan why you think um, uh, that model has worked for the Thunder so far, even though it hasn't uh, it hasn't produced results you would think yeah. um, in the last four years. I think I'm someone that doesn't mind the watching experience, to be fair, which is just like a preference thing, right? Like I I can find it enjoyable to just kind of watch flashes, even if a lot of the watching experience is not going to be wins. Um, And then kind of focus on the draft throughout the course of that year. And I kind of think that's just something that I find fun, which is all just going to be preference. But I think that like taking these high upside swings um, one of them is eventually going to hit. Like I, I'm a really big Josh Giddy guy, um, and that was sort of an unlucky draft spot landing for them when it came to the new lottery odds. Um, I, I Chet was my favorite guy in this last draft, um, and him being out for the year is kind of just coincidental. I, I I actually before Chet was going down, I I thought that they were a team that could totally sneak into the play in. Um, but then SGA yeah, has this little MCL thing going on whenever they decide to actually play him. Like, um, I think Usman Dang, who they just drafted at what I think 12, something like that is somebody who's really intriguing and Trey Mann, 
who they took at the late first round with one of those picks they got traded for as well, I think is nice. So like, I think I, a lot of it has to do with just, I don't mind watching young players that are going to make a lot of mistakes. That's true, man. Brother of Terrence, man. <laughs> I have no idea. Just every time I hear T and man together, I just get a little bit skittish. And they got a little they, bit. They got a T man. So yeah, Terrence, man, the, the architect of the destruction of the jazz. Um, yeah. uh, the Rudy Gobert, Donovan Mitchell Jazz, I should say. Uh, yeah, so, like, I mean, that that's sort of like, I mean, because I, I do hear a lot of people like, oh, the Thunder, their, their rebuild hasn't gone very well. I'm like, I, I feel like it has, though. Like, I know that it hasn't, it doesn't look like in the records, right? They, they have, they've had three high draft picks in the last three years. But, you know, I, I look at the roster, I see, okay, SGA looks like, a, you know, a really good player. Josh Giddy, very young, and, man, he looks like he can be a, a, a multi-time all-star. Uh, Chet Holmgren, like I don't know a lot about Chet Holmgren, but like he was one of the best college players for for a few years, so he's probably got some skills. Um, and like even like yeah, some... that, that, that could that could be fair. And I, I'm not saying it, it can't be. I'm just saying that when you compare it to the two examples we listed before that, which are uh, Cleveland and uh, Memphis doing it much quicker yeah. and faster, it's kind yeah. of hard to argue. I mean, we were comparing those two side by side. That's true. And uh, I mean, I, I don't know. I I don't to say that I'm paying a, a real great. Great deal of attention to Oklahoma City is would, would be would be incorrect. <laughs> and, so and, I, and, and yeah, that's why I kind of want to talk about it a little bit because I, I I do feel the Jazz are like the more I think about it, the more I talk about. It, I think the Jazz are kind of kicking, kicking the can down the road for about four years. Like either like either again, best case scenario, <laughs> the Jazz get Victor Wembanyama this year. Their team just seems so. Uh, there's a lot of holes that 2020, 2024 draft. They're probably gonna have to try to get another top five, top six pick. Like, you're not gonna actively tank in 2020 or 24. If you have Victor, you're gonna put him out there. You're gonna let him learn, but you're gonna you're gonna let a lot of the young guys learn. Like we, we see it all the time. Rookies come in, and it takes two, three, or four years before we really start to see them shine. Like, even Giannis year two, right? wasn't wasn't Giannis that that's Giannis now. Um, Giannis needed a lot of uh, of growing up to do, and and we'll see that from from you know Vic, Victor, Scoot, whoever. The Jazz draft to, to be their their, their architect of, of their rebuild. Um, it's it's going to take probably. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean K- Katie as a Sonic was the team was bad, but he was good. So, yeah. yeah, when you give the keys key, to the young guys, they like uh, you know Brennan saying you're going to see those exciting stretches that get you excited. You're, you're going to get those CJ Miles stretches that really get you optimistic <laughs> for the future. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and, and yeah, so like the Jazz, I mean, the Jazz are pro- that that's, it seems like because they're they're trying to keep their cap space open, not to bring in free agents. But because the Lakers are going to have, you know, not, you know, I know it's not going to be next year, but, like, they're going to have some sort of other Russell Westbrook contract that they're going to try to get rid of, and they have to give you a pick for it. The, the Nets or somebody, somebody's going to have to get rid of money, and, like, you want that cap space to, like, yeah, I'll take that contract, but it's going to cost you an asset, right? And, I mean, it's what the Thunder have done, and I, I think that's what the, the Jazz are doing, but I do think that means that, you know, the next time the Jazz are looking at the play-in or playoffs is, you know, 2025, 2026. Um, and I, I don't know if that, I don't, I, it sounds really bad, but if you can find a, a generational talent in this draft that's coming up, because uh, it, it may not be Victor, it may it may be Scoot, it may be one of these college kids that come up. Um, uh, I mean, there's, this draft is loaded. <laughs> like, it, there's a lot of talent in a lot of places. Um 
but if you just can, don't draft the Marvin the Marvin Bagley, yeah, just don't. Yeah, exactly. So and so that you know, so the, I guess the main points here were, of talk about the Kings here is like you have to avoid what the Kings did in missing on so many draft picks, especially high draft picks. Like you miss on if you miss on some later draft picks, again, understandable. It is what it is, but to have multiple top five, ten. Eight picks and miss on him. It's again, it's pretty hard because you know, we've looked at the the stats. Like, I mean, the higher you draft, the more likely you're gonna get uh, a good player. Like, it, it's pretty obvious. But man, if you miss on him, it's pretty bad. Like, if you miss on two or three in a row, it really starts to build up. Um, yeah, and, and and I think the culture starts to really go when you don't have consistency anywhere even outside of that like the coaching staff and front office always being on different pages like even in the last four years um vlade was the coach uh that was with jaeger but then a assistant gm and vlade had an issue and so they end up moving on from vlade right Uh, i'm sorry they end up moving on from jaeger but then they still end up moving on from vlade afterwards anyways and jaeger was a solid coach And then they let Vlade, before he was fired, sign Luke Walton to a four-year deal. Mm -hmm. And then they fire Vlade right after. So the new (laughs) GM that comes in has a coach that he didn't get to pick. And the new GM is, I think, coming into year three. And this is the first time he's gotten to have a head coach that he actually wants to run his team. Right. And and, and we don't know, I mean, and when I say we, Logan and I. Vlade Vlade and Luke Walton are sharing a pack of smoke somewhere on the beach just (laughs) reminiscing over what they pulled off. So Uh, Getting their money. Logan and I, um, uh, we don't know anything about Ryan Smith. We have, you know, we're one of the few podcasts that were, not maybe maybe one of the few, but we definitely were, like, not jumping for joy when Ryan Smith bought the Jazz. We thought, okay. Interesting move, but let's wait and see. Um, it hasn't been a, a smooth ride with Ryan Smith, but he's done some good things. Um, Danny Ainge. Um, he's, done, he's done a good job of plucking the low-hanging fruit. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> give out the scholarships, baby. <laughs> um, uh, Will Hardy. Will Hardy um, uh, you know, signed a five-year contract. That's For what it's worth, I wanted Will Hardy more than anybody else oh, this offseason uh, for Sacramento. Yeah. I mean, Will, Will Hardy, I mean... I mean, signing 100 doesn't mean anything, but okay, like, okay, we're, we're saying we're going to give... He's probably going to last at least more than a season, right? So you, you'll have Will Hardy for hopefully a few years at least. Uh, but also Will Hardy brought on um, a lot of old coaches from Quinn Snyder's uh, uh, regime. like him. So there's a little bit of consistency that we talked about there. Um, and, you know, if, if Justin Zanuck and Danny Ainge continue to have... I would say that, I mean... Logan, you feel pretty good about this offseason, right? Like, like, we give we give Danny Angel a lot of credit, but Justin Zanuck is is the guy on the phones making all these deals. So um, I don't believe I don't believe that you don't believe you that. Well, I mean, yeah, you he's also believe. the guy. He's also the guy supposedly on the phones and they're making the bad calls. So I, my, <laughs> I know I, I know I joke about Justin Zanuck being a real person or not, but he was also part of the Dennis Lindsay regime. Yes. So while everyone wants to to give him hugs and kisses right now, I mean. If he if he was invisible for Lindsay, how can he be visible for Ainge? But um, no, I mean I, I I I don't think we're going to have a disconnect between ownership and and leadership because I think that Smith and Ainge are and I think what makes a lot of people some of the anti Ainge stuff is that they are so close and tied together. So I guess I I don't think we'll see a disconnect between ownership and the front office, anyways. And so um, and, and yeah, like you said, when you, and when you give a guy a five year deal. 
um, it's you know that, that's kind of an upfront commitment that you're going to be around for a while because you're still going to have to pay him. Barring right. he, he goes he, he goes email Yudoka on you, you're going to have to pay that guy for the length of his contract. So, I, yeah, talk about the Celtics really missing that now, huh? They might they might still have to pay him. Yeah, yeah, yep. yeah. No, no, but I'm saying, you know, Will Hardy leaving upset a lot of Celtic people and think about how much yeah. they wish they had Will Hardy yeah, now. Exactly. Very true. Um, and, and and so yeah, so I mean. This offseason has given me some confidence. I, I, you know, even the Bogd- I, I, I tweeted this out. Even the Bogdanovich trade, which they didn't get an asset for her. I'm like, if it cost the game, if it cost it, like, I mean, this is going to be a year where you can't start tanking in January. You have to start tanking like late November. You have to start like, you know what? Time to time to put Jordan Clarkson on ice for a little bit. So. Um, Mike Conley on ice, whatever it is, you know. Oh, Mike Conley's. Why is Mike Conley? Why is Mike Conley on my team? Mike Mike Conley's hammy dot com. Um, you know, you know, uh, you know, this is completely off topic, but I feel like I'm going to miss my opportunity to say this, so I'm going to say it anyways. You know, Brendan, if the Kings can just add like a Harrison Barnes type, I think that might really be what you guys need to <laughs> to, to take that next step. Been saying the same thing for uh, years. Harrison, yeah. As Jazz fans, we've been coveting Harrison Barnes for years, so it only makes sense that they like right. trade for Harrison Barnes like next year <laughs> or something when it's just too far gone. But um, I've lo- I, I, I'm not. I am not a North Carolina Tar Heel fan, but I've just loved Harrison Barnes from the second he came mm-hmm. out of college. He always felt like the missing piece of everything. Right. But. Uh, I, I'm mad at the because the Warriors the year that they drafted Harrison Barnes that that pick was supposed to go to the Jazz, uh, but then they pulled the hard tank to uh-huh. get the seventh pick because I, I want to say it was like top eight or top nine protected, and they pulled the hard tank to make sure they got the seventh pick or whatever, and you know they drafted Harrison Barnes which at that point might have been really helpful for that Jazz team so I don't know but um, yeah so like, even though I don't think Harrison Barnes is like a uh, a multi time All Star probably would have been. Somebody that would have been helpful to the Jazz in multiple points in Jazz history. So. Yeah, HB is like a perfect fourth or fifth guy on a team. Yeah. Oh yeah, like yeah. just yeah, exactly. Yeah, again, he's not going to be the he's not going to be the, the the franchise cornerstone, but he is like the <laughs> ultimate like ex, just that other guy who's going to do a little bit of everything. So I'm, I'm staring at Harrison Barnes' name on Basketball Reference here because it looks like he had the top win share for the Kings last year. So. Yeah, he's had the top minutes the every like I think every year since he's got to the Sacramento. Yeah, I mean that's uh I mean it, it's uh, again crazy for Harrison Barnes, but um so yeah so it, thanks Brent. This actually was enlightening because like you know again I I didn't pay attention to the Kings for fifteen years and um, kind of see like hearing about the ownership and the and the coaching like again like this is a big fit for the Jazz like if you start tanking does it create losing culture or was that culture created because of other factors. I feel like, they, feel like you know, there's a lot of other factors besides we, I mean, it, it sounds like the Kings didn't even try to tank. They just c- kind of fell into it, which is, I think, different from what the Jazz are doing. The Jazz are forcing a tank, um, which I think, yeah. I mean, if you're forcing a tank, like, you kind of, because, like, w- when you fall into a tank, you, you're not basically, you're, you're basically just hoping you get lucky in the draft and then uh, you don't have any future assets to kind of, to kind of um, uh, back you up. Uh, it feels like the Jazz forced a tank this year, and I don't know. I don't want to say miss, but it doesn't go exactly as planned. You do have other future assets that, like, all right, cool. We still have a plan B, C, or D. Um, and again, hopefully, the the ownership and leadership and um, all that stuff come together because it feels like if you have that continuity, you can avoid um, uh, what the Kings did through you know the the 2010s, basically. <laughs> I definitely think so. I, I think a big part of Memphis, you know, th- probably my spiciest take is that, like, 
if you put De'Aaron and Fox and John Morant in the opposite scenarios in each other's shoes, like when it came to being drafted and what they had around them, I don't know that either one of their like careers looked that different. But oh. Memphis got all the other like surrounding pieces right. Like their coach is amazing. Um, like you know, you saw how good they were without Jaw. I don't think that's a slight at Jaw or anything. I think Jaw is somebody they needed for the postseason. But like, I think that it also just helps makes those top players right. even better when they have a good spot around them. Yeah, and and they, I mean, God, it's annoying. It's annoying. like the Grizzlies became annoying. Yeah, Memphis hasn't missed on a pick in like yeah. five years. The, and the they Grizz- get all of them, every single one of them right, even like they're thirty. Right. The, yeah. The, 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 the Grizzlies got annoying very quickly. So. Um, uh, but yeah, thanks, Brent. Like, so you've been doing the King's Pulse for four years now. Um, uh, like, what do you have on the horizon? Because like, it feels like you're like you're really into like, you know, like Logan and I are doing a rinky dink. Nobody listens. Like, the only person that listens to this is mom um, uh, to this podcast. That's not true, man. Everyone was arguing on Twitter about tank- losing culture versus tanking, which tells me that they listen to the pod. So. <laughs> um, uh, but um, uh, you've been doing, uh, but you're doing podcasting, like. But you're also like, like, are you a beat writer for them? Like, what are you doing with them now? Uh, I write for kind of a uh, a site called Kings Herald, and I got credentialed uh, early last year. So, yeah, I'm doing some writing for that site as well. Um, and, yeah, definitely keeps me busy. I mean, like... You, who are you, who you're, you're credentialed to, just not for us. So just you know, not for, yeah, like, I'm, uh, unfortunately, yeah. my credential only works for my organization <laughs> at the well, new yeah. station. When they, when they need someone to run the camera. Yeah, but. exactly. Come to the Rocky Mountain Review. Um, uh, get in the locker room. Um, so, Brendan, um, real quick, like, uh, what are you, like... You know, what did you think of the Jazz, you know, in the Donovan and Rudy Gobert era? Like, it probably didn't come up a lot, but, I mean, they obviously made the playoffs a few times. Like, how did you feel about that Rudy and Donovan team? I thought that, you know, they just needed to get the right year um, when it came to that group. I I definitely thought they needed a little more, but then when they went and got, like, a Mike Conley and, and Bogdanovich became a thing, like, I thought they got to a point where, they had enough like I kind of go by I think it was Daryl Morey that said one time that like you really just have to build a team that can get to the conference finals and then from there anything can happen um and I think that the Jazz were pretty close to that and I think like what they're doing now is actually something that I really I think it's a really interesting like case study in a way because there's been so many debates recently on tanking versus you know just staying at a above average level but never able to fully break through we call it we call that the the, the trailblazers the DeRozan line is what we call it yeah yeah and I, I think even like being better than that where Utah was um I, I think it's really interesting how they just went full in on the tank and I think it's gonna be interesting to see how it goes I would I think that the Kings honestly are like if I'm in some hypothetical where I'm a GM and I get my pick of, to run any team in the league I think that my 30th pick is when I'm picking Sacramento. I don't know if there's any spot I'd rather <laughs> be in. Um, I, yeah, I, I think Utah fully resetting is something that I, I think is a good idea. Because, but because the Kings... It's going to be some tough years. Yeah, we talked about the Kings. Like, they, they, like I, I assume Kings fans are just desperate to make... like just, They don't care if they make the play-in. They don't care if they lose in the first round. Kings fans just want to see the team in the playoffs. Um, and in a year when, like, the draft is, I mean, the draft is always a crapshoot, but this just feels like one of those years where 
like now that we've seen it on ESPN, like everybody is starting to like, okay, like there's obviously a prize in this draft. You know, this is this is probably as, as big as the, the LeBron James hype year. Um, I can't I can't think of anybody else who had this much hype um, uh, for uh, sort of unknown, but you know we've seen it on TV because ESPN's shoving it in our face. Um, and sorry, like, sorry, sorry, sorry to cut into your uh, NBA preseason basketball and Aaron and Aaron Judge cut-ins. How dare they put something on TV for us to see? <laughs> Aaron Judge sixty-two Thursday, um, Thursday afternoon at one was kind of strange. It was a little strange, but that, you know, like, I mean, hey, you know, it, it is what it is. But I mean, I mean, that, that's the thing is that like they 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 didn't do this last year because the 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 thing is that like we talk about the and this is a whole other thing about the draft being a crapshoot every year, but this year like I think everybody knows that the talent is just much better than. Like, there's always hyperbole in the draft, but this year the hyperbole feels earned. Um, well, yeah, because you got a seven foot four dude who's playing like right. like Jordan and like, Kobe. Like, I, I'll I'll give you the one bias stuff. I'm not. I'm still not convinced that it's still the deepest draft ever because that happens every single year. So, mm-hmm. I'm going to be thoroughly disappointed unless it's number one. So, <laughs> Scoot Scoot looked great, but Scoot looked like about 15 other guards in the NBA. So uh, we just got rid of a Scoot. We we just sent our Scoot to, <laughs> Cleveland. to Cleveland. That's so. that's another you know. And again, this is a good. Might have, you might have just traded for a Scoot also. Uh, yeah, Colin. Yeah, also, also true. Yeah, yeah double right. Colin with double L's. Um, I have to learn how to spell again. Um, well, in, in, in Utah, we don't really care. We're just gonna spell it however we want. Yeah, Quinn Snyder still with two N's. <laughs> two N Quinn Snyder. Um, Colin Colin Sexton really has two L's in his name. He does. Greg Poffert. Why would he? Why would his G's. mom do that? That is uh, <laughs> <laughs> to make my life harder. So I have to remember to spell that when he on. He's on screen. Um, Dwayne, but, Dwayne Wade's still the worst the way he spelled oh Dwayne. God, it's still Dwayne, very yeah. unnatural. And, oh, I can never get that right. F- I can spell I, I, Giannis, I, but I can't spell Dwayne. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, I will go. I will go Google it every time because I'm yeah. like, I just don't want to get like, it wrong. Like I, still, damn, I still can't yeah. tell you. Yeah. I like it. It's worse than Shashevsky. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like what what the Jazz need to do is high, is um, uh, bring Zaire, Zaire Wade from the G League up to play for them. How, how, how do Jazz fans feel about the whole like Dwayne Wade experience? They, it's it's, so, it's weird. so weird to always see <laughs> him still covered weird. in jack gear. It is very weird. Like, we know that he's a heat, but he has fully, like, he, he will post about the jazz. I'm like, oh, he still posts about the jazz. Like, this was not like a one-month thing. Like, this is this is not a fling. He, he He's really involved with the jazz. Like, okay. like Well, he was really. He was really involved with the jazz. He was really involved with the jazz, and we were really good, and they were... Yeah. Trying to make playoff runs, and he was coaching from the sideline. But when the Jazz fell apart, he wasn't really anywhere to be seen. You know, I I thought that too. But then, like, I, I went to like Jazz practice the other day, um, and Dwayne Wade was Dwayne Wade and Jeff Hornacek were having a, sh- a shooting contest at the end of practice. I'm like, yeah. oh my god, Dwayne Wade's still here. <laughs> so, and 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 yeah, and, I mean, he, I mean, he, he, he's he's always been active about pu- pushing the Jazz stuff right. on his Instagram story and stuff. But as far as like seeing him there, it was it was it came in like a, it came in like this aggressive flurry, right? Like, yeah. oh my god, we got. How do we get Dwayne Wade? This is so cool! Yeah. Oh my God, Donovan Mitchell's got his knee kicked out. Um, but <laughs> yes. then, you know that, that first playoff series, he was—he was on the sidelines coaching him up. We're like yeah. this is really cool. But like last year, he wasn't really. I mean, I know he was around, but it wasn't. I, I so think, yeah, who, who who probably says it best? It, it is weird because we still know in his heart of hearts, he's still a Haitian. So like, it's just like, it's like, a weird. Like, yeah, like like he he was dating like Shaq owning part of the Kings, right? <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> which I didn't know happened until Dwayne Wade bought part of the Jazz. I didn't know that was a thing. Yeah, yeah like, is, is this funny? Because like, yeah, like Wade is 
sort of like like oh like okay like Wade is way cooler than us like why are we hanging out with Wayne Wade but yeah like sure let's do it you know like we're the puppy dog um, and, I'm, and, st- I'm still bitter about the time that his follow through got fouled by Andre Kirilenko in Miami in the middle of a, me and this regular season game is when I just hated the NBA because that's just the way they do it yep. but anyways no one else knows what I'm talking about except for me but the follow through the follow through foul um, Dwayne Wade misses the jumper you fouled his follow through oh bullshit <laughs> um, but Anyways. Uh, so, uh, Brendan, so again, thank you for your insight. Um, uh, this is, it's been helpful for me. I don't know if I depressed Logan or not. I was trying to convince him that losing culture, um, uh, can be avoided. Um, well, no, I'm, I'm not, I, first of all, I didn't, I, I, like I've said before, I fully support what they've done. Like they've got, they had no choice but to do what they've done. And I think actually now I'm thinking about it more and more. Nobody has done what they were done. The other teams who've done, gone this nuclear option were forced into it. Yep. The Jazz volunteered to go a year early and do it themselves. So I, I get it. I guess, but that, honestly, this conversation made me even more weary. I, I could talk myself out of the losing culture bullshit. But <laughs> hearing, Bren, hearing Brennan talk, you, you keep saying, well, the Kings missed, the Kings missed. The Kings did miss a lot, but the Kings also got it right a lot. And just it didn't matter because there were so many other factors yep. involved. So I guess it depends on you want to be half, half, Glass, glass half full, glass, glass half empty. empty yeah. But I just, I don't know. It's just they, they. You're right. I guess, I guess, if we just hope that there's more stability in the front office, the coaching, maybe that helps turn the corner in some of these situations. But they didn't, they didn't miss as much as you know. I think that one would assume they did. So the first, I know that some um, of those are really, really painful and stingy lately. But right. Um, there's also a lot of solid pieces they have gotten along the way. So, like I, I feel like them hitting more lately. I mean, in the last three or four years them hitting on these draft picks have kind of pro- pro- propelled them into looks like I mean, I mean <laughs> let's see if they do I mean but my guess is that they will make the playoffs um, the Kings that, that is so um, and the Jazz first step basically is to get Victor women yet and I feel like this is the year that to tank you have to tank from game one like I think most tanks are like all right get to the all-star break you know then, then we split into teams like okay we're the we're the haves we're the tankers basically uh, this year's going to start a lot earlier, but um, Logan, uh, before you go, you want to give any quick shout outs in Marnay's uh, uh, produce corner? No, right. I don't have anything to Yeah, I know. We're, we're running late anyway, but thank Brendan again. Thank you for the great conversation. Again, thank you for starting the, the, the Pulse Podcast Network. Um, it's, <laughs> you know, I, I was like super excited. I was like, I was like, I, I've been wanting to talk about jazz on a microphone for a long time. Like, I don't care if nobody else listens to me, and you kind of help me get a platform. To start that off, and like look at us now, three three or four years later, um, you're still doing your thing. The high notes, you know. I mean, we're not we're not we're not David Locke, but um, uh, you know, <laughs> it, it, it's funny. You're like one of the only remaining people that still does it. It's uh, it's pretty funny. That was a long time ago. I, know, I, I was a young, white eyed kid. I like I I knew I had the Damn. I had the moxie to make to make it before the other losers. So. <laughs> <laughs> Um, uh, we, just, we just had to survive the uh, the pandemic podcast, you know, burst that happened when everyone wanted to podcast. Yeah, else because they, yeah, because, <laughs> because we're just gonna grind it out. We're just gonna grind it out, King style. You know? <laughs> we're just gonna kind of be. We're gonna have some hits and some misses, and, and it, maybe at some some point we'll get Quinn Snyder on the podcast and, <laughs> for Quinn's corner, 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 Quinn's corner. Yeah, um, Quinn's uh, corner. I mean, as far as Quinn's corner goes, all all I'm gonna say is the man really enjoys his ketchup, <laughs> and that's that's all I'll. Say about that. Uh, and Brendan, um, you can listen to him on the Kings Pulse. Um, uh, yeah, again, the Kings might be a fun team this year. Uh, how, how, you, you post like once a week, right, in Kings Pulse? 
Uh, yeah, like once or twice, picking yeah. it up a little bit more in season. I mean, the, the, I think the funny thing is that when teams start winning, like it happened with us, when the, when the Jazz were number one in the NBA, um, we were doing two or three shows a week because people were just so, so excited about the Jazz. Last year when the Jazz just like a dumpster fire, nobody cared. Nobody was like, yeah, we don't want to listen to anything Jazz. So it'll be interesting to see how the tank year is going to, how people are going to want to consume their content. But, um, Brendan, let me get your um, uh, Twitter handle here. I, I had it up, but then I... No worries. You don't have to. Go follow him. Go follow him. Uh, <laughs> at, like, I don't know if I want your endorsement. <laughs> <laughs> at <laughs> Brendan Nunez uh, NBA. He's got an NBA in his name, folks, so I mean, he knows what he's talking about. Um, uh, Mr. Dragon Squatch, um, uh, you know, he's, he's um, uh, uh, obviously um, uh, on. Um, uh, we're, we're, we're doing a new interview format, so... Uh, no go to this is 49 today, but um, on our next interview, he might be here and Dragon Squatch might not be here, so we'll see. Um, but yeah, so thanks for uh, joining us, guys, and we'll see you guys. Next.